The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And she opened up her fist and there's this razor blade that was strung on a chain. She said every day I'd put it on and it would just remind me you're nothing. And she'd take it up during the day and use it to slice up her arms and her legs. And she said in that moment, she said, Nick, I don't want to see myself the way the world sees me one minute longer. Wow. I want to start seeing myself the way God sees me. Will you take this? Coming up on Life Today, founder of the evangelical movement Pulse, Nick Hall encourages you to let Jesus reset your life. here with Randy Robeson and we're so glad that you're tuning in. Uh, we have a fantastic guest for you today and there's a passage of scripture that he outlines in his book and I just want to read you these couple of verses from Psalm 71. I love the way that he's made this a kind of plumb line for his ministry and also for his heart. Here's what it says. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, trust me, getting there, do not forsake me. Oh, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Psalm 71. Yeah, awesome. So please, would you help me welcome our guest, Nick Paul. Great to have you. Nick, I love your book title, Reset. Jesus changes everything because, man, if there's ever a message people need to hear, it's that you can reset, you can restart. Where did this come from? Well, I mean, hopefully it was inspired uh, from God, I guess. You know, we were praying as students, really, uh, 10 years ago up in North Dakota, of all places. Uh, we were really praying for revival on our campus. Mm -hmm. And actually, this movement started through an English paper I wrote uh, when I was a junior. We were praying like crazy. We were seeing destructive things happening all around us. And out of that prayer, this kind of paper launched this movement. It was called Pulse. We're like, man, we're going to take the campus. And actually, so many students started coming to Christ that we kind of were like, man, how do we describe this to a generation that is biblically illiterate, that's unchurched? Right. I mean, you're right. saying, come to Christ. They're saying, where is he? You're saying, hey, come and be saved. They're saying, from what? Right. They're just all these confusing right. terms. There's actually a student who played a lot of video games that he said to us, you know, Nick, what we're praying for is a reset. We said, okay, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, I play a lot of video games. We said, we know. Right. Uh, you should, he was as if it was a surprise for us, right? right? We're like, you, you should shower more, first off, you know? Right, right. But kind of we're like, you know, uh, he said, when you hit reset, it clears the errors and it gets it working again. Mm. And so we looked it up and we're like, okay, what's the definition of reset? And reset literally means to clear past errors and get the system working toward its intended or created purpose. Mm. Wow. So like, man, isn't that the essence of the gospel? Yeah. Right, that God made us to work a certain way. You and I mess up the system and God offers us a second chance through mm. Jesus. And so literally at our student events, we'd say, man, tonight, we just wanna tell you no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your understanding of faith is, that there is a second chance available to you. Mm -hmm. You know, just like your phone or computer, we all mess up the system. 
the bottom line is that God gives us hope. And if you're willing to come to him tonight, admit your need, admit that you are broken, that you have messed up, that we've all sinned, as scripture says, that Jesus offers a reset to each and every one of us. So. One of the things I love, Nick, is that um, you have such a heart for millennials. And my son is a sophomore in college. And I know the, some of the issues that kids are struggling with, even, even Christian kids. Um, there's suicide, there's anxiety, there's depression. Um, what do you find are the real, the main needs of kids? And why are they not flocking to the church? Why are so many of them flocking away from the church? Yeah, I think some of us maybe have experienced uh, Christianity in terms of rules or regulations or or maybe a place where people aren't being real mm-hmm. about the issues that we're seeing uh, facing us, right, inundating us every day. I mean, you think of a typical a teenager or college kid. I mean, they're online all the time, right? They're being bombarded with all kinds of messages and content and, and all kinds of things. And then they go to this abstract place where we're talking about these ideas, but it doesn't seem like it's making a difference in daily life. And I think most of these kids are really hurting and broken, right? And so they wanna hear somebody talk about things that are real, right? They wanna hear about, man, how does God relate to self-harm? How does God relate to depression and suicide? How does God relate to, uh, you know, the, the, the temptation for pornography and all the things that are around us? I mean, my self-image, my self-esteem, my relationships, my purity. And so I just think sometimes there's a disconnect. And our passion with our events is really, uh, we wanna build a bridge from where the students are to the community of faith, because we believe these people that care about these kids, they're there and ready to build the relationship. But oftentimes it's a massive disconnect between those two worlds. And that's where we believe God comes in, offers this hope. And ultimately the message is there is a reset. There is a new beginning. There's a community here that loves you, that wants to journey with you through these situations. Yeah, there's one story in his book, and I know you know this, um, that to me kind of illustrated what you're doing. Because yeah. it's one thing to talk about yeah. the need and, and, like you say, sort of abstract ideas, but it gets real when you talk to someone like Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really, this was where I would say this message turned into more of a movement, right? Because we felt this sense in our heart that God was calling and offering a reset to our generation. And so kind of just you think of a broad message of, man, there's a second chance. Mm -hmm. And so literally five years ago, I packed up my family in an RV. We started going from coast to coast. Literally saying, man, God is offering a reset. There's a second chance. And it was this crazy thing, right? I mean, I got a newborn, my wife, another family, their newborn, we're hopping in this RV that's breaking down all the time. We're like, what are we thinking? But God had called us. Right, and we're sharing this message of there's a reset, there's a second chance. And I started to say, you know, on your phone, right, or your computer, there's specific things that are wrong, right? You download the wrong file, you go to the wrong place. And so what is it in your life tonight that is standing between you and your relationship with God? And that night, as I gave the call, this girl comes up to me after the night and her name was Michelle, I found out later, and she's basically just angry, right? And looking at me and saying, you know, Nick, I came here tonight, I didn't wanna be here tonight. I, I hate Christians and I hate preachers. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, this is going really well. You know, like this is off to a great start, very affirming moments in my yes. life, right? She's like, I didn't wanna listen to anything. And, uh, and she just said, but something happened tonight during the music and during the message. I heard this voice. She just kept saying, Michelle, I love you. Michelle, I love you. Michelle, I love you. And she looked at me and all of a sudden it's like this anger was starting to break away. And she says, Nick, I think it was God. And she started shaking and she said, Nick, tonight 
when you prayed, I, I tonight, I, I surrendered to Jesus. I just said, God, I'm broken. You're the savior. You did what I couldn't do on the cross. I need you. And she threw her fist out at me and I thought she was going to punch me like really. And I was kind of like ducking, you know, because people like, you know, I'm just scared. You know, anybody tries to punch me, I'm going to duck, you know, somebody maybe wouldn't, but she threw out her fist and, and she said, Nick, I could tell there's something in her hand. She said, Nick, I've been wearing this necklace every day for five years. I put it on. It reminds me that I'm worthless. And she opened up her fist and there's this razor blade that was strung on a chain. She said, every day I'd put it on and it would just remind me you're nothing. And she'd take it up during the day and use it to slice up her arms and her legs. And she said in that moment, she said, Nick, I don't want to see myself the way the world sees me one minute longer. Wow. I want to start seeing myself the way God sees me. Will you take this? Wow. You know, it was one of these supernatural moments where it was like light was piercing the darkness, yeah. which is what the gospel does. But I think all too often, those of us that have real struggles, we hold those dark things in. We think, I can't tell anybody. I can't share this because if they knew they would hate me, they would judge me. But actually the opposite was happening. Like God was bringing healing and restoration in life. And as Michelle shared that story to me and offered to have it be shared to others, it was like God was bringing freedom mm -hmm. to a generation. We actually started setting out what we called reset bins where every night lines of students would come and bring in razor blades and bullets and pill bottles and hateful letters. And they would write down on cards like what was their thing that they needed to come to Jesus because he was offering a reset to them. Mm. And so it's this powerful moment. And literally God used Michelle to start it. Hmm. I read something um, today on my Twitter feed, which honestly I think probably most of us would find um, pretty shocking, although I don't think you will. But this is what I said on my Twitter feed this morning. Um, Sex before kissing, how 15-year-old girls are dealing with porn-addicted boys. Mm. That was just, it was shocking. I mean, obviously I'm a lot older, so that yeah. was not the way things were. Yeah. How huge a problem is this yeah. with our young people? I mean, it's an enormous problem. I mean, pornography is an epidemic. And, uh, and I think it's one of those things that is often not talked about. Yeah. And I would say not even just amongst young people. I think this is across the board. I think there are adults and even grandparents. I think just the access, right? That's the thing about pornography is it's just been made readily available to everyone everywhere. And people don't have self-control, right? I mean, even I, I go back to my own story. I was a teenager, Christian kid going to youth group, saying all the right things, knew the songs, prayed the right prayers. But yet all of a sudden I find out that there's these websites I can find or things I can see. And I have buddies that are encouraging it, mm -hmm. talking about things, dirty jokes, whatever you want to say. And all of a sudden I'm battling this thing kind of on my own. I can't tell anybody. If I told somebody, they'd really think I was awful. I'm supposed to be a leader, right? And so it's just kind of this thing of like God had to set me free. And literally it was through the vulnerability of somebody else opening up about their problem that it's like God brought healing to me. But what we're seeing is that in this generation, whether it's a young guy or a young girl. So that was what's surprising to me, because most of us think it's only guys that struggle with yes. porn. But the statistics in your book make it clear that is not so. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, it's honestly both sides of the coin are struggling. And I would think one thing also is that the girls expected of the guys. Mm -hmm. So there's not even like a shock of you're looking at this. It's more like, why wouldn't you look at that? Right. And so it's this whole system of understanding and acceptance of it that I think is just really broken. And right. So there's a generation that has been robbed of purity. And so that's one of the big things that we see so many young people coming and saying, Jesus, we reset my purity. Right. You think of the innocence you have that has literally been stolen from you and that God creates a new creation, right? He begins something new. He cleans up what is so dirty, what is so broken. 
he can put it back together again. But we're seeing it as an epidemic. But what would you say to somebody, somebody even watching this program, whether they're um, a millennial or whether they're a church elder yeah. or whoever, and this is, because you're right, there's some things that have very little curb appeal within the church. Yeah. You know, we don't talk about mental illness, we don't talk about pornography. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's struggling right now and thinks, I cannot get out of this? Yeah. I would just say you can't go it alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, number one, God doesn't want to leave you there. Uh, God wants to free you, even in this moment. I mean, he's one prayer away, like literally just cry out to God and he brings healing. I mean, conviction, I think, is one of these things that when God brings realization of something wrong, right, that's the moment to say, God, I need a savior. I need your help. And he always responds, right? He's call out to me and I'll, I'll come to you. I'll rescue you, right? Seek me and you'll find me. There's so many of these passages. But I think beyond that, there has to be an opening up to bring somebody else into your story. I think especially with things like pornography, especially with things like self-harm, self I think these issues that have been entrapping people for so long, this isn't just like a one-time thing. Most of this is really habitual. This is a daily struggle. I think that, man, there's something about when we include others, when we open up, literally you think of that darkest thing, when you open up and let the light break in, it brings freedom to everybody. Yeah. And so if somebody was watching, even right now, I would challenge them, man, there are people in your life that love you. They're not gonna judge you. They wanna hear, they wanna pray for you. Yeah. And you are actually gonna be God's instrument to bring them freedom in some other area. You don't know about it now, but your vulnerability is gonna open up something that you don't even know. So you gotta be real, gotta be honest. And you got to have a conversation. And to me, that's what it means when it says, confess your sins one to another Absolutely. and pray for each other Absolutely. so that you may be healed. Absolutely. I mean, I, I struggle with depression and I have two or three girls that when I'm in my darkest moments, I get on the, either, if I can't physically call, I text them and I'm like, totally. and they're with me, you know, mm -hmm. because yeah. the enemy wants to isolate us and make yeah. us feel you're the only one and you should be ashamed. Yes. But Jesus said, no, he took our shame on the cross yes. so that we could be free. Yes. And I think that's really the message that we carry. And I would say is really a millennial, you know, type of message. We talk about reset, right? This isn't a message for them. We try to be very clear about that. Like, this isn't a crusade to reach those people, <laughs> right? Whoever right. they are. And right. oftentimes we all think of, they're the ones who really need this. Right. It's him, it's her, it's them, right? We all have a them. For us, it's saying, man, of all the people that need a reset, I'm the first one in line. Yeah, me too. Right? Of all the people that need Jesus, I am the first one. If everybody in my life that needs Jesus, I need him more than anyone else that I know. Right. And so I'll tell people, man, if you want to come, Jesus is offering the second chance, man, come and get in line, but just don't get in front of me because I was here first. <laughs> right. And so it's kind of flipping the script a little that. bit I love from a generation that. that's more coming from, oh, man, we got this. You need to be saved. Yes. Right. This is more coming. No, like we are broken people. He's the healer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He did what we can't do. We're not here because we have it all figured out, but we're here because he's the one who did it. He's still doing it. And he brings us peace and hope because otherwise, whether it's our depression, whether it's our struggles with lust or pride or a million other issues, man, we can't make it on our own and no one is immune. Yeah. So you respond to your own invitations at the end of the sermon, in a sense. I, yeah. I, I really feel that, man. I mean, there's never been a gospel call that I've given. I mean, sometimes I think when I first started preaching, because you'd read about all these kind of preachers back in the day. I, I was called as an evangelist when I'm 18. I'm like, I'm going to be Billy Graham, right? <laughs> and you read the biographies of some of these old men and women of God, 
and it's almost like they never did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a highlight reel. Right. Like, I read the biographies, I'm depressed, <laughs> you know? Like, I know this is supposed to encourage me, but I feel like a horrible person, you know? So, like, I want to get around people and, like, tell me your struggles, you know, tell me right. that you're human. Right. And I, you get around them, and it's very clear, but I think vulnerability wasn't necessarily a high value right. for a previous generation. Right. Whereas I think for us, yeah. it very much is. Like, tell me what's going on. Tell me about the struggles of your faith, of your marriage, of your life. Let's be real with each other. Because, man, when you show your struggles, I can be real. So when I'm giving a gospel presentation and when I'm inviting people to Jesus, man, it's very much like I'm the first one on that altar. Like, I'm the first one in line mm -hmm. saying, God, I mean, and it's just a thought that right now God would offer something new that God would offer perspective. I mean, how often does my mind go the wrong direction? Mm -hmm. How often do I prioritize the wrong things? Mm -hmm. How often do I put treasure in the wrong place yeah. and get judgment in my heart? It's like, God, I need a reset. God, would you change this heart and turn me back to you? Would you bring back the joy of my salvation? I, I noticed that because I, when I picked up your book, I thought I was picking up, you know, an evangelism book, which is great and needed yeah. and wonderful. And it is. Yeah. But it's more than that because I found it challenging me. Your message challenges me to reset my habits, yeah. to reset my relationships. And not, not in the sense of needing salvation because yeah. I've been a Christian for, for quite a while. But yet you're, you, you emphasize that Christ gives us the ability to fix those things that still aren't quite where they need to be. Not for the sake of fixing, but for the sake of living in a, in a fulfilled way that he desires for us. So yeah. I mean that that reset is is an ongoing kind of daily. Yes. It's a lot like renewing your mind. Yes. Yeah, you can have a hundred people in a room and you have a hundred different needs yeah. of things that need to be reset. But I'll tell people, man, we all have something. Right. And I think just when you get to the point where you think I don't need it, it's mm -hmm. like there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. Right. Because man, we are on a journey, we're not home yet. He's making us whole. But at the end of the day, like we want to follow Jesus. Right? And so let's spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Let's mm -hmm. sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. Let's call each other to confess our sin one to another that our prayers might be heard. Mm -hmm. There's something about this that matters to God and matters here. One of the most profound things I think though is it's such a relief to me when I finally got it that I'm not the good news, Jesus yeah. is. Yeah, amen. I mean, that's such a relief. Yes. You know, when you suddenly get, and even when you talk about salvation, I love when it says, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. I used to think salvation was just a one-time thing. And in terms of eternal salvation, it is. Yeah. But if you're about to pick up a drink and you're an alcoholic, you can call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. If you're about to go online and you're a believer, you can call on the name yes. of the Lord. Yes. I need to get saved about 50 times a day. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Well, and I think that's the thing, to your point, I think the message of reset is an evangelistic message in that, I mean, this is coming from an evangelist. Like as I share the gospel and I travel and talk to young people, old people, whatever, like I've just found that this message makes sense to a technologically driven culture, mm -hmm. right? We all hit the reset button on our power outlet, mm -hmm. on the dash of a car, on our computers. It's everywhere. If you start looking for the word reset from today on, you'll see it all <laughs> over the place. It's in the elevator today as I was getting in there. I'm like, I hope I don't need that button, <laughs> yeah. but it's there. Right, so there's something about this that I think is a message that resonates and it is a lens through which to communicate the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. What I love about it is it implies that something's wrong. There's a lot of gospel presentations that it's all just, hey, God wants to help this and heal this and fix this and good, good, good. And there's no dealing with what's wrong, mm -hmm. right? There's no dealing with the fact that we are broken and sinful people. Mm -hmm. But reset implies that something is broken in the system. Mm, yeah. And I personally don't meet anybody who comes and says, I don't need help with any area of my life. I meet a lot of people who say, man, my life is messed up. Mm 
If I could have a second chance, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And so it actually opens up the door to talk about how literally, no matter what you're going through, that there is a second chance available, Mm -hmm. that Jesus offers life from death, healing from brokenness. And I think that's the good news of the gospel. I I will take that second chance and that third chance and that fourth chance and and that daily reset that, that he offers to us. Right now, there are a lot of people who need to reset uh, a pretty major reset, and we want to offer it to him because you know resetting is really about grace. Yeah. Yeah. It's about God's grace. And about second chances. Yeah. And I recently got to meet some people who are in desperate, desperate need of a second chance. Would you take a look at this? Honestly, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, my first night here, I, I got... I went back to my hotel room and I just cried because I thought, Lord, I can't believe this. I can't believe that this is happening. It's just like this spiritual battle between good and evil. And evil is making a lot of money over there. You walk along the street and these girls are all dressed up in their makeup and short skirts. And it gets darker and darker. And you go back further and you see these little rooms and the locks are not on the inside to keep a girl safe. The locks are on the outside to keep a girl trapped. As I looked at these doors, knowing that behind these doors there are girls that have been held against their will or their will so broken down, it was so clear to me, we have got to be the answer to their prayers, to some who've given up hope, to some who don't even think there's any other way to live because they've been told, if you escape, we know where you live and we'll go get your family. We need to be the answer in Jesus' name. It's all about, it's freedom. It's about hearing chains break. Isn't it interesting that it was a slave trader who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Let's do that in Jesus' name. You know, Sheila, as a father of two girls, uh, four children, two girls who are in the age range of those girls over there, seeing those locks on the outside of the door, I mean, it kind of, as, as a guy, I want to go, you know, kind of Liam Neeson and go crack open some doors and beat some people up and pull those girls out of there and just rescue them. I mean, there's, there's a bit of that that goes on, I think, for, for men. I think God has a little of that, too, where he's waiting to bust those doors down and set those girls free. And you go, God, why don't you? Mm-hmm. And I think God says, that's what you're there for. That's why I've got my, my bride, my people on earth. It's to set the captives free, to do what Jesus said we would do, set, set the captives free. And the only way that we know how to do that uh, in the natural, to get them literally out from behind those doors, um, is to intervene. And that's why we have set up all the programs. And we have people in place in many of these countries where this goes on so that we can go in and intervene. Yes, we pray. We want you to pray because we know that the spiritual chains are oftentimes harder to break than the physical chains. So we need to focus on that front as well. But from a physical standpoint, you can join with us to literally get those girls out of the sex trade. 
That's what we want to do. Yeah, we're, we're praying. It's our prayer that we'll rescue 5,000 girls this year. And it's so doable. I mean, I got to see the worst of the worst on those streets. I've never been anywhere like in my life. It literally felt like hell on earth. But then I got to see the other side. I got to see what happens when we break through and rescue one of those girls and tell them, you are not a number stamped on your leg. You are a daughter made in the image of God. And to be able to have those girls rescued and to put them in a place where they discover who they are and it's so doable do you know that for 128 dollars we can rescue and restore one girl so we need you to join with us we actually have this amazing gift that came in some of our friends called and said listen we want to put up a 200 thousand dollar matching gift for 128 that'll be doubled you'll actually rescue two girls and maybe you're thinking that's kind of a lot for me if you can do 64 they will match that and together you will have rescued a girl. I've seen with my eyes what it looks like, but I've also seen with my eyes what it looks like when those girls are rescued and brought to a place of safety and freedom and told that there is a God in heaven who heard your prayer and we are his people. And he placed on our hearts to come in his name and let you know you have a future, you have a hope, but we can only do it with your help. Would you go to your phones? Would you make the best gift possible? You can go online, but just let us know. We care. We're going to do something now. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore their lives and give them a future. And now a generous opportunity of a $200,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking and a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you James Robison's new book, Living Amazed, How Divine Encounters Can Change Your Life. As you read these inspiring stories, you'll learn how to live amazed in the presence of God 24 hours a day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll receive James' new book, along with the companion Amazed Journal, so you can record accounts in your own life where you are amazed at God's goodness. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful new Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. Do go to the phones, go online, do what you can. Together, we can make a big, big difference. Don't forget today with your gift, we want to send you Living Amazed. Uh, I'm actually in the book. It wasn't named after me. I'm not the amazing part of this book. But what God has done through a yielded vessel, my father, is pretty amazing. We want to give you that book. And today, we want to send you Nick's book, Reset. It is good stuff, as you already heard. Nick, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Get Nick's book. Go online. Do what you can. And join us again every day for Life Today.
Tomorrow, hear Hubie Sin's extraordinary encounters with Jonathan Kahn before he published The Harbinger and David Tyree before the miracle helmet catch. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.